to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Ladies and gentlemen, in this episode, I have a discussion with Paula, who is the mother of Damien, who was a previous guest on this podcast, also with his girlfriend, Stacy, when they were discussing their freedom-based website based out of Canada in an effort to recruit Canadian federal workers to fight back against the jab mandates that were being imposed by their government. Paula is a former dental hygienist, and she's currently working as a truck driver. She travels back and forth from Canada to the United States, and she has seen an awful lot. She's remarkably knowledgeable, very passionate. She loves freedom, loves her country of Canada, loves the United States as well. And I got to tell you, she's been on the front lines of the war taking place with both border travel, jab requirements coming down the line, and other mandates that exist within the workplace. So give this a listen to get a better perspective of what's going on on the roads within the trucking business between Canada and the United States. And then what I'll do is I'll be back on Saturday to do an episode discussing some of the news-related education topics from this past week. So again, stay tuned for that as well. So with that said, here's my discussion with Paula. I'm really concerned about the exemptions because I'm I'm thinking that if people choose that option, they're going to end up having a refusal because we know everything is completely corrupt. And then there's nothing left for them to fall back on as far as a lawsuit down the road because they went for the exemption instead of saying as Stacy, for example, is saying, and what I'm choosing to do, when, when this trucking thing happens, I'm not going to give them my status. I'm going to say that it is unlawful for you to ask me my personal medical information, and I am not going to tell you one way or the other. So you do with that what you want, and I will then give them a notice of liability, asking them to sign and take responsibility for anything that should go wrong. There was an interesting um, website that I just looked into. uh, What was it? Freedom for Canada, I believe it was. And there was something about um, notice of liabilities, a video on that. And talking about if you hand that notice of liability to your manager, to the first person in line who actually asks you to do that, the little guy, basically. Sure. You're going to tell them you're going to take them to small claims court, for, and you, there's a maximum fee of $35,000 you can go after for them just even asking for you to uh, violate the Privacy Act. So there's all these different legalities that people really need to look into, in my opinion. Um, I, 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 from my dental hygiene uh, experience. I worked in that for 20 years and it's just mind boggling what is going on now because what's the first thing you do when you go into a dental office and you sit down with the dentist or the hygienist, they ask you about your medical history or they should be asking you if there's any changes in your medical history, your medications, allergies, whatever. And this mandate, it's not considering medical history at all. It's just a blanket. Here you go. You're going to take it whether you you have anaphylactic shock um, health history or you have uh, an adverse reaction to a vaccine in the past or whatever. Y- you just can't expect that to to 
could happen. Now, I was I, I put you on to that johnwaters.substack.com, and uh, there was another article I came across that was called A Carefully Prepared Apocalypse, and it was there was a video in there from this German um, expert global financial guy. He's a German journalist. And that video was uh, really eye-opening. And it basically, when you watch that video, talking about the money that's behind all this and how this mandate has nothing to do with health. It has nothing to do with safety. It has to do with collapsing the whole economy because that's what these financial guys, these big guys will be on top. That's what they want. So they know that the people that have held out till this time, they're not going to cave in and get this vaccine or jab. It's not a vaccine. They know that and they're counting on that. They want everyone to be fired because they want everything to collapse to bring in this cryptocurrency. Yep. The, the, the numbers I was looking at, BlackRock, Vanguard, uh, State Street and Fidelity, heavily involved, they're worth $22.6 trillion. The GDP of the 28 nations of the EU is only $15.7 trillion. Amazon, Apple, Microsoft, and Facebook, $9.1 trillion. And the gross GDP of Germany, France, and Italy is 8.6. So these companies have more money than all these countries. So no wonder the puppet strings are being pulled. I, I And I was also listening to uh, the high wire. I, that's one great thing about driving. I can listen to podcasts all day long. And I am educated about a lot of things that are going on. I listen to so many different sources. And the high wire... Um, was talking about DARPA. Actually, they're the ones who are responsible for Moderna. And they also have uh, marketed this Profusa, which is a biosensor under the skin that connects to your phone. Then you have uh, Microsoft with the Vaccine Certificate Initiative, and they have something called Azure, which is a smart health card. And this is what blew me away. 2019, the World Economic Forum developed the Common Path. There's a commercial on their website about this. And it's talking about all this delightful proof of vaccination status. This is before 2020. And it was proof of vaccination status, not immunity. So this has nothing to do with health. Nothing. No. And they're throwing all of us under the bus. Well, they're trying to kill everybody. It really, yeah, and the, well, I mean, of that, that's it. Once once you're gone, BlackRock jumps in, takes your property because they're going to offer whoever the property is left to that they don't want to manage. They'll offer them again five times what the property is worth. BlackRock will buy it up, which, of course, has direct ties with China, as I'm sure you, you're well aware. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then, uh, and then that's that's it. It's game over. And then they manage, they pay to manage the property because that doesn't cost much for them. And then they can rent it out to as many illegals as they want, or they can just destroy it. 
you'll own nothing, but you'll be happy, right? That's right. They'll just rent it forever. That's right. And, you know, all these young, you know, millennials who are trying to buy a house now, well, Amy and Stacy, my son and his girlfriend, they tried to buy a house and it was just, it went crazy last year. You know, they put in an offer even over what the what the asking price was and somebody always came in and offered like $100,000 more than what the house was even worth. So, you, you, you know, when I heard about BlackRock, I thought, oh, now it makes sense. Yep. Um, you know, the whole informed consent that's not being given, um, a huge one when I was in healthcare, risk versus benefit. You always assess the risk before, and if, if the risk is too high, then the benefit's not worth it. That's, all of this is just being ignored. I, I just listened to something about, uh, Mounties for Freedom. They're being attacked in Canada now too, and and it was really cool because the the I can't remember his last name, but his first name is Daniel, and um, he's representing the Mounties. And he said that he's a detective, so he started investigating and digging, and he boldly said, you know, they are lying about many things on the mainstream media. They are outright lying. Now, the, the problem we have is the hypnosis, that mass psychosis that's going on with people. And, and I am, that, excuse me, that one article from John Waters that was talking about the, um, the mindset of these people, how the, how the governments actually, the totalitarian governments have a way of getting the people to start uh, well, it's like a hypnosis. It's that mass following. People always want to go with the crowd. Luckily, I've never been one to go with the crowd. I kind of just do my own thing and make my own way, you know. But um, likewise, I it's very it's very um, interesting to see um, the response you get from people. I have a coworker. Uh, and I knew that he was part of the mass. I could just, you know, he just got over staph infection on his face. And he was he was talking to me saying, I just don't know how this happened. You know, I've never had anything like this in my life. And he's a true blue mask wearer, right? And I just nonchalantly, I haven't touched the subject with him because I know he's right on board. So I just said, could it be the mask? Just very subtle. And it was an automatic no, like right off the bat. He wouldn't even consider it. So about a week later, I was frustrated and I'm to the point now where I just, I don't want to, I've been trying to inform people, but a lot of times if you send them something, it just, you don't even get a reply. But I sent an interview um, from a podcast with James Dellingpole from Great Britain. He was interviewing Naomi Wolf, and it was a really good interview. Uh, you know, you have a conservative interviewing a liberal, and none of that mattered. They were talking about the, how that the danger of that vax pass is the whole plan to get that social credit system. And I thought this is a really good one because it's not really touching the COVID so much. So I sent that to him 
oh, about eight days ago. Haven't heard from him. And I got a call today, and I thought, hmm, I wonder if he's going to bring it up. I, I just thought, I'm not going to even say anything. And uh, he did not even bring it up. He did not even say, oh, I got that podcast. It was great. Nothing. He just talked about, I'm so excited this weekend. We have company coming over. We're going out to dinner. And then right away I knew you've been double-jabbed because in Canada we can't even go to a restaurant right now unless you show your passport. So um, that's fine with me. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not going to do it. So it's not fine with me. I don't like to, I, I, it's a really interesting thing with my experience driving truck um, to see how things are from state to state. It's really interesting. You know, a lot of times when I cross in Detroit, I will drive right through Michigan because I don't want to stop anywhere because they're true blue, mask wearing, you know, all in. And I'll wait till Indiana to stop and go in a truck stop because there I feel more free. And then when I get to Illinois, I'll drive through Illinois till I get to Iowa. Um, Ohio is kind of hit and miss. It's kind of half Michigan, half Indiana. It's really weird. Um, down south, I feel pretty free. I was just in South Carolina. South Carolina this week and then um, now I'm in Pennsylvania but um, it's I feel more free in the United States than I do when I come to come back to Canada um, and it's very disheartening um, and you also and you I mean clearly you notice the differences between the different states here and what's going on Yep. Oh, yeah, definitely. Can you give us some examples? I see the difference. Just the mask wearing. Um, I went to a customer in Illinois, Lincoln, Illinois, and uh, every single person there had a mask on, from the car to the factory to the, the, the guy driving the shunt truck to just, it was just very eerie you, you feel like you're in Canada when you're there because in Canada like if you go to Toronto it's brutal like everybody's walking down the street with their masks on um it's very depressing because you feel how are you going to get through to these people you're not going to get through to those people but how are we going to get enough people to stand up and make a difference but in the States, it's different. You know, in the States, when I cross, I crossed in Alexandria Bay um, today, and I don't wear a mask when I go to the booth. Um, I cross at Buffalo. They, they have signs when you're going over the bridge, must wear a mask at the, um, at the booth, and I don't wear a mask. And... Uh, there was only one time in Buffalo I was given a hard time. This uh, woman officer, she was just nasty. And uh, she said, where's your mask? And I felt like asking her, where's your face? But I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I just respectfully said, um, 
I have an exemption. And then she, she sighed, big, huge sigh. And then she said, who gave you the exemption? And I wanted to say me, but I didn't. I said my doctor. And then she shut up. Um, the only place I have a hard time with the mask, if I come into Canada on, in Fort Erie, which is on the other side of Buffalo, they don't say anything. If I come, come across the border at Alexandria Bay into Lansdowne, I don't have a problem. But Windsor, Windsor, they won't even open the window unless you put the mask on. Wow. Yeah. It's brutal there. So Iowa, I feel free. Uh, Minnesota, again, that's blue state, isn't it? Minnesota, is that a blue state? Oh, unfortunately it is, although the rumor is that Donald Trump won Minnesota. But oh, yeah, really, eh? Yeah, but unfortunately not only is, is has Minnesota been blue for a very long time, but um, it's one of those states that's being infiltrated by foreigners at a at an alarming rate. Oh, that's from even before COVID. I remember that. Oh, yeah. In particular, Afghans and Middle Easterners and uh, Somalis and you name it. Yeah, well, that's like Canada big time. You go in Toronto, you don't feel like you're in Toronto. You don't feel like you're in Canada. Uh, Agreed. Can Uh, Can I tell you a quick little story about Toronto the last time I was there? Sure. The last time I was there was in uh, the spring of 2019, and I was there for an education conference where I was giving a presentation. And I remember walking around the city to and from the convention center there, and uh, I was staying staying downtown there. And I, I'll, I'll never forget just walking around and feeling like I was around zombies. There was just this yes. overwhelming feeling like no one there knew what was really going on. And I could just feel it. And again, it was an odd, it's an odd thing to describe, but what what I found were a couple of things. I found that the cab drivers were the most based, knowledgeable people about what was really going on. Um, yeah. it, 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 at least it, that's That was at least my experience with the two cab drivers that I had. Um, but I'll never forget, you, you know, the area I'm talking about, I believe, but I'm, I'm certain, but it's, it's kind of that little like triangle square, kind of like in the middle where there's multiple, yep, I, mu- multiple roads that intersect kind of all right there, you know? Yeah. Cause I, I've been there, uh, when I was in dental still, uh, we'd go to the convention center too. So I know exactly where you're talking about. There you go. It's where I try to, I, I yeah, I, it's deep down in the heart of Toronto. Yeah, it's right where all like the Jehovah's Witnesses were standing, and they had their placards, and they were standing there, and they were handing out cards and whatever. And so <clears throat> I had a I had a terrible day at this conference, which was my last day, thank God, and I was about to leave, and I was there for like four days. It was a nightmarish four days, but I remember walking up to one of them, and I just wanted to have a conversation with a complete stranger about about what their perceptions were about what was going on politically back in 2019, because even then I could feel things starting to bubble up. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, bless her heart, young gal, uh, and she's standing there with a few other young ladies as well, but she just, she looked at me and she said, she said, you sound like you're a philosopher or something. 
And I said, well, I wouldn't go that far because I would never call myself that. I said, but do you see all these people around here? And I started pointing around and I said, they have no idea what's coming. I said, you guys are sitting on a ticking time bomb politically. And I said, I have a feeling things are going to get really bad around here. I said, I'm not trying to say anything to scare you. I said, you know, but whatever. And I just kind of mentioned a couple of things and asked her a couple of questions and she just went, and she was just blindly just, you know, again, you would think a Jehovah's Witness would listen a little more, but she started to sort of slough me off like I was a crazy person. And yeah. I, and I thought, again, I, I thought to myself, you know, I'm not laying like my problems on you, but, uh, I mean, it was just, it was very, they just, there's only so much they wanted to hear and they didn't ask a single question. And I thought, oh no, if you're not w- even willing to ask a question, uh, it's game over. Well, that's the problem with Canada or with Ontario, for sure, is that I live out in the country. Um, I grew up in Niagara Falls, and then we moved up to our cottage that we built over the years. Like, it took us 20 years because it was just weekends, and we just built it from the ground up. It didn't even have a well or a septic tank or driveway when we got the property, but it was just a project over the years that we did. And when it was completed, we moved, and that's why I made the switch from hygiene to driving truck, because I couldn't find a job. Uh, The market had been flooded. It's a long story, but I, we live out in the woods, and that's how we like it. You know, we have a river right next to us and 50 acres of woods behind us, and um, I go to Toronto, and it's depressing. And when you go to vote you know that your vote really is meaningless. It would be like being in upstate New York and you're putting a vote in and you know New York City, whatever they do is what's going to happen because the population is too big. Um, They're always going to, their votes are always going to outnumber yours. And and Canada has flooded, uh, you know, the, the government has flooded them just like in the States, all these immigrants because they want to keep the liberal vote going, right? Yeah. The same damn crap. So, you know, but I was, I was delivering a couple of weeks ago in Brampton, which is just north of Toronto, and there was an Indian fellow there. He was really pleasant. Um, and he took a liking to me. It was the first time I met him, and he kept saying I was very nice, and <laughs> he ended up at the end asking me for a hug. But he, he, so here all this COVID stuff, and when I usually go to this customer, they want to just take my temperature, and it, the one girl wanted me to wear a mask when I was in my truck, just as I was going in the gate. I said, "I'm in my truck. I'm not outside. You don't need to. You don't need to uh, have me put my mask on." And she, she would not let open the gate until I I put it on my chin. Okay, whatever. I'll play your little game. But this guy, he could have cared less. So obviously, there are some people that are awake. Um. But my work, for example, uh, I was livid back in the summer because through our e-log, we get messages. And a message came through just letting you all know that the Peel region has a vaccine clinic going, uh, you know, these three dates. Um, just it's like, are you trying to kill the whole fleet? What, as a trucking company, are you doing? Letting letting your employees know that there's a vaccine clinic open. Have you ever let them know there's a flu vaccine clinic open? 
you know, like, what is going on here? So I sent an email to my boss. And, you know, it's just like a, about 400 um, trucks in our fleet. And uh, my subject title was, maybe the Ontario Trucking Association should stick to trucking and not vaccination. And then I just said, um, it'd be really nice if you just kept the politics out of this. You know, I'd really appreciate it. I didn't, I, I sent him, I said, please look at this link. And it was just a link showing the VAERS data back in July. And you know what reply I got back? It's best if we just keep our opinions to ourselves. See, there and you I go. Thought, I thought, are you kidding me? This isn't an opinion. This is data. Yeah. This is data from the, you know? And so then I, my husband said, just leave it. Paula, don't, don't do it. I said, I'm having the last word here. <laughs> I sent an email back and I just said, well, thanks for letting me know where you stand. But you opened the door and I walked in. And then there was another message about a month later notifying us uh, of that again, another clinic. And then there was, the latest message was, just to let you know, Ontario vaccine passports um, will be starting tomorrow. So please be aware you won't be allowed access into restaurants or, uh, I don't know, other venues or something. And I thought, why is a trucking company letting me know that? Are you trying to rub salt in the wound? So I have a couple of, there's a couple of people that I know within the company that are awake. Um, the one, when that first message came through about the vaccine clinic, I emailed the safety too, safety girl. And I said, you know, I said, I'm just going to start with, the truth is like a lion, set it free and it takes care of itself. That's a quote Dr. Our Pastor Art Pulowski has said a few times and I really like it. And I just said to her, you know what, um, I really don't think it's wise of our company to be promoting an inoculation that's an experiment, that's mRNA technology, synthetic drug, where we don't know what the effects are going to be because maybe this company could be held liable if something happens to one of its employees based on the, uh, the, the guidance they gave them. And the message I got back from her was surprising. She actually said it had nothing to do with me, Paula. I, had, I, I was just told to send the message out, but it wasn't me. Because she, she used to be a nurse. Well, she's still an ice, you know, I'm still a hygienist. I'm just not registered anymore. And she's, she's a nurse who works uh, as head of the safety now. So um, with her health background, she was, sounded like she was kind of awake, but her message was, well, you know, there's a lot of pressure. And I said, do me a favor. I said, I know you have a teenage daughter. I'm going to send you an ebook by Dr. Sakarik Bakti. And uh, it was called COVID-19. I can't remember the title now, but it, it was explaining about the spike proteins and the damage that it could do. And um, 
I sent her a few more videos after that, and I, I labeled the last one. This is the last one I'll send you, unless you ask me any questions, and I never heard from her again. I don't even know if she's caved by now and and got it. I don't know. I, I don't want to ask. I really don't want to know because it'll just depress me. Um, my mother um, is completely asleep. She's 83 and just watches the damn news, and she just told me two days ago that um, what did she say to me? I'm a victim of misinformation. <laughs> oh, wow. I said, you know what? I'm going to have to hang up now because I said, I can't deal with this right now. So I'm just going to hang up. I, I try to educate. She is, she's 30% of the masses are beyond hope and she's one of them. Um, my uncle, who I educated, he's 88. I sent him uh, an e-book from Dr. Vernon Coleman, who's out in Great Britain. He talked about this greatest hoax of the century back in March 2020, and everything he said back then has come true. He read all that. Um, there was also a couple, uh, couple chapters about um, that Vernon Coleman had uh, titled the chapter Just a Little Prick, and it was about Bill Gates and his connections. Um, he read that and he said, he sent me a text, pretty cool, 88 texting. Um, and he said, uh, this is scary stuff. So this was back in February. And I thought, okay, I'm safe. My uncle's not going to do this. He still lives at home. And he was still playing baseball last year at 87. Wow. So he healthy guy, okay? So I was thinking I wanted to keep him untouched by this. I wanted him to go out on his terms. So I I sent him a text in August, and I just said, how you doing? I've been thinking about you. And he says, oh, he says, I haven't been feeling well. So then it was, my text was, you didn't, you didn't take that poisonous jab, did you? And then, yes, a couple of months ago, Moderna. So now he has low hemoglobin, thyroid problem, and he's not feeling well. And he said to me, here's a guy who's still playing baseball. And he said, I think I'm going to sell the house in the spring. I don't think, I personally don't think he's going to make it till spring. So... And I haven't sent him anything else because I figure what's the point? The damage is done. But that kills me more than, like, my mother, on, on, she's not awake, but she did not get the shot. The only reason she didn't get the shot is because she had a, a negative reaction to um, an osteoporosis med medication that was given by injection that was in her body for six months a few years ago. Wow. And it gave her a horrendous rash for those six months. And because of that, she's so terrified of having an adverse reaction because of what happened to her already. That is the only saving grace as to why she hasn't gotten it. Because she said to me, before she told me I was a victim of misinformation, she said, oh, I really want it. I, I, I want to get it, but I'm scared. And I said, well, why are you scared? It's safe and effective, you just told me. 
she if I if I get her into a corner, then she starts to attack because there's nothing else. She's a, you know the liberals they they just attack if they don't have an argument or any facts or data they just attack. And um, I said you know I'm not going to say anything to you anymore. And I said if you start talking about this, then we're going to have to end the phone call because I I just can't handle that. So. Um, I have a friend in Niagara Falls who has a young child in school. He's eight. And luckily, she still works in a dental office, but she's off for maternity right now. She has a little baby as well. But I just, before before I could even say to my friend about, you know, I wanted to direct her towards your website and, you know, your your recommendations for homeschooling, she said, if it comes to that, I will pull him out of school. So, and I believe they're going after the 5 to 11-year-olds now. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, yeah. and I mean, the writing was on the wall. The writing was on the wall. Yeah. It's so evil, Sean. I, you know, every day I wake up and there's this one quote that I think, you know, just, be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And I try to say that to myself every day because it's very difficult not to be overcome by this evil. One of the things that has crossed my mind is is that they're, they're of course, edging out drivers as much as they can for a variety of reasons, all of which are nefarious, and, and we know that. Um, at least we know that, but they have to have some kind of a backup. They have to have some kind of replacement. I mean, they have to have replacement drivers ready to roll unless of course they already know that such a small percentage of the drivers that they have won't comply under any circumstance because we know that they're keeping track of all of the individuals that won't comply. So what, what do you think is um, what, first of all, what percentage of, of those within your company are, are jabbed and are just consistently complying? I don't know how many have complied. Um, I know when I'm out in the state, um, in Virginia, for example, there's a huge truck stop off the 81 and, um, they had a vaccine clinic in the damn truck stop. I thought, well, that's really safe. Made me feel like I should get off the damn road. Um, what a nightmare. I, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if they purposely are waiting. Like they're, they're, I heard that they're going to start asking for a vaccine passport to, for Canadians to go over the border starting in January. And I'm thinking that they are doing that because they still need the trucks to move right now, but that they actually want the truckers that aren't complying to walk away so that they can have the supply chain completely collapse right in the middle of winter. That's my theory. I know there are trucks waiting to get loads in California that just aren't, they're just waiting for the containers to be put on their trucks and they aren't moving because the crane operators aren't there. I've seen the videos of that. 
But, you know, from Canada to the U.S., the way it works is we bring product down, um, whether it's nylon filament, paper, um, food, and then we do a loop. Like when we're, the way it works is Canadians can't go interstating. So I can bring a load down to the state. Then I have to pick up a load and bring it back to Canada. So, and, and if you look at, if you don't, if you've never done trucking, it's a really interesting thing that happens because you have a company like 3M, for example, which is one of our customers. And there are 3M places in, in Canada, like in Brockville, in uh, London, in Ontario, right? And then I bring product down to Iowa or South Carolina. There's 3M places all over the place and they're all connected. So if you cut that border off, it would screw up their whole trade deals because I'm sure a lot of the stuff they do is to avoid paying taxes. So I can bring mayonnaise lids up from Erie PA up to Canada. The jars get filled in Toronto and then we bring the Hellman's mayonnaise back down to the state. It's a really weird, bizarre thing. So you bring an empty jars back up to Canada, it gets filled, and then it's brought back to the U.S. So when you cut that border connection off, it's going to screw up everything. It's 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 we're so connected, even though people really don't think about that. I never thought about it when I wasn't in this. But you know, I bring I've brought paper down to. Um, south to North Carolina, let's say, and then I go to a paper mill in South Carolina and bring back different paper to Canada. So you cut that border connection off, it's going to just mess things up like people have no idea. And I think they're planning, just like they're, you know, pushing the nurses out because I think they want the healthcare system to collapse. They want to have, uh, you know, to be able to have that argument that, oh, well, well, the hospitals are overrun. Well, of course they're overrun. There's no staff left. Oh, we can't move product. There's a shortage of drivers. Well, of course, because you're bullying them into taking some poison that they're not going to take. So I think they're trying to time all this. So when the economic collapse happens, the supply chain breaks down at the same time. And it's just like Catherine Austin Fitz has talked about that whole planet lockdown when she talks about how there it's that fine balance of trying to time that collapse with bringing in the cryptocurrency. It's never been done before, so they're they're having to play around with things and try and make it as symbiotic as possible. And I don't even know how the hell they can do that. Yeah, I've seen but, the, I've seen that planet uh, planet lockdown. It's absolutely fantastic. I think she's a hundred percent right. <laughs> And, oh yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, and I I think the I think frankly people the, the people investing in the cryptocurrency are wasting their time and their money and frankly they're acquiescing to the enemy because again, liquid digital currency is all they want. And when you invest in that, that's all you're giving them. Yep. And um I know uh Catherine Austin Fitz has talked a lot about all of that all of that stuff and she said interestingly I had heard her in another interview and she was saying how she actually believes that these elites, they are watching, they are studying things that are happening now 
and they are testing things and they're playing around with things, trying to see how people respond. And it's almost like a litmus test. Okay, let's see what they do with this. They're playing with us. We're just cattle, right? I'm afraid with the truck drivers, I don't know how many complied. I know the few people that I know, um, they've gotten it. Um, I also know the one truck driver that works in Canada. He doesn't come to the States. He just does, you know, Montreal to Ontario. He said, well, I'm going to hold out as long as possible. I said, what kind of talk is that? You have to hold the line. No yeah, that's what? I got to tell you that that right there, I, I've heard that so many times that if I had a dollar for every time, I, I mean, I could I could buy anything I wanted when people are, say that exact thing. They just say, you know, I really don't want to and I'm holding out. But, you know, if I have to, when if when the time comes, I guess I will. It's like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're fine taking a poison later on, months months from now, that could kill you instantly. But today, you're against it. Isn't that bizarre? It blows me away. And, and I just said, so you're going to hold out for as long as you can, but if you're dead or you're paralyzed or blind, you can't work anyways. Do you not understand that? So, and then he said, there was a girlfriend he had who had a couple of kids in school, and he's not with her anymore, and he said, well, she's, she's aware, because I've, I've told her all this stuff, she knows what's going on, but she said, when they come for the kids, she says, I'm going to have to let them get, get the shot, because what am I going to do? I have to go to work. So they have to go to school. And I thought, that's child abuse right there. I would rather leave my my four uh you know I don't have a 4-year-old but I would rather leave a 4-year-old whole 4-year-old home by themselves um I then then ever send them to school where they had to either get the jab or again get the jab without the parents consent and is Canada doing that to your knowledge giving it to the kids without their consent Yeah uh, well Canada made it uh, law that if they're 12 years old, they can consent for themselves. And so you can't vote, you can't smoke, you can't, you know, do all kinds of things, but you can have a job. Do you know what's sick? In Toronto, they had a vaccine clinic outside somewhere um, in, in the city, and some adults were there trying to stop trying to get in there to get the kids they were they were coercing the kids or bribing the kids with an ice cream truck oh god and then they had the police blocking the whole staircase with their bike to not allow these adults in there to try and uh tell these kids don't do it i remember i remember that and, video now that now that i'm thinking about it i remember that yep so um I'm sure if these devils could do it, they'd they'd have uh, they'd be given permission for the five year olds to say, "Yeah, I'll do it." But I, I my mother has a neighbor who has two boys, um, twelve and sixteen, and when the the it came through that they were going to be able to have the job for the kids, my mother told me, "Oh." You know, Anna's going to bring her boys uh, 
to get the shot on Saturday. So I'm not close to this woman. I've met her a few times when, when my mother had a health issue. I went down there and I met her and I was tormented. I was tossing and turning the whole night thinking about this and I thought I have to do something. I, I just, I thought if I don't at least warn her, I won't be able to sleep with my, my, myself. I just won't be able to handle it because I have two soft spots and it's old people and it's kids and they've come for both of them and it's really <laughs> driven me crazy. But I ended up sending her a short video and it was right when uh, Dr. Byram Bridal from Guelph University came out with that one video talking about how it doesn't stay in the deltoid muscle. It, goes through the uh, blood-brain barrier and it goes into the spleen, the ovaries, the testes, the, you know, the lungs, the, the heart, the brain. I sent her that video and I, I get a response, oh, thanks, Paula, nice to hear from you. Um, asked, and I, I thought, okay, this is going to do it. Any mother is going to watch that and her kids will be safe, right? And my mother told me, oh, no, she took them. They both got the job, and it just it just breaks my heart. They're going to find out one way or another. Again, good, bad, or ugly, they're going to find out the mistake they made in this life or the next, and they're going to they're going to be able to see again. You know, I just saw this meme the other day. It's a hundred percent accurate. Someone was holding a sign that said, "Someday you're not going to." Um, oh hell! Now I'm butchering it, but it was something like. <laughs> It was something like, uh, you're not going to curse your enemies. You're going to curse yourself for not listening to your friends who tried to warn you. Something along those lines. Yep. Well, see, you know, the problem is with my mother, everybody she knows who's gotten a job, there's not been one adverse reaction that you can say. Like her neighbor, his wife's kind of getting Alzheimer's all of a sudden. You know, but you can't, you know, he's old, you know, they're in their 80s. So that's the flaw with this. You can't prove it. Now, my cousin who lives in North Carolina, um, I heard she was going to be going for the shop back in April, March. I sent her, Gert Vandenbosch, that first video he made with Del Bigtree talking about the um, selective um, antigens versus the, you know, non-selective. And, or non-specific versus the specific and explaining how it was going to really affect the immune system. And I sent that to her and said, please take a look at this before you go, please. They went and got it. She wanted to go up to New York State to visit her family for a reunion in the summer. And I know that's why she got it. And two days after the, sh the second shot, her husband went in for emergency gallbladder surgery his gallbladder was shot just like that so to me yeah it's probably the shot but how can you prove it and they of course don't make that connection no of course not so you know when you get all this you know you keep hearing you have to share stuff yet i don't have facebook i don't have twitter i don't do any of that stuff if i had facebook i would have canceled it already because i'm not going to give that evil monster any business of mine but I don't have any social media. I, all I have is my email and my texting. And I, everything I've tried to send to anybody, I, I haven't had any positive response. Now, the, what I find is successful for me 
is my husband always jokes that when I'm out in public, he'll, he'll, he'll see me chatting with somebody. He'll say, oh, you're making friends again. You know, it's kind of a joke because I will talk to anybody. So I was delivering at Kellogg's in, in Dalville, Ontario, and I walked in there without a mask, even though there's that big sign on there saying you must wear one. And the guy who gave me my paperwork, he met me outside. I was hooking up my trailer and he said, he, he was, you could see he was trying to ask me some questions because it's almost like you can identify someone if they don't have a mask on. They might be normal, right? So he was asking me some questions. I gave him stewpeters.tv. I gave him the highwire.com. I gave him Laura Lynn and friends from Canada. You know, just at that time, I didn't know about yours. And he thanked me, and I'm hoping he took my advice. I was in the grocery store parking lot just last week, and the guy who was standing at the front handing out the carts who they're supposed to police you and ask you, you know, where's your mask? He didn't ask me. I just smiled and walked right in there. And he met me out in the parking lot after, and he said, he was just kind of talking, and I thought he must want to ask me a question. And he just said, uh, I noticed you weren't wearing a mask, you know. Did, how did you get an exemption? And I said, I gave it to myself. I said, I said in the beginning, I was, I was scared. I thought I had to wear one before I was informed about exactly what a mandate is versus a law. And I was almost passing out because it's not normal. And I thought, I'm not doing this to myself anymore. And I said, you don't have to either. So he says, oh, he says, uh, he says, I told them I won't police it. And I said, well, that's great. And I said, I know the store doesn't give me a hard time, and that's why I come here. And uh, we started talking, and he, he talked about this group, the Be Freedom or something in Canada. So there's, <laughs> there are people I'm finding that are making, and we, and we shook hands at the end. So, you know, which is something most people won't do anymore. I went to my butcher who lives out in the woods too. He's selling his place and moving out to his cabin in the woods even more. And there's a community of people that are gathering because we know we are going to be pushed out of society. Um, and he was talking about, you know, his stepdaughter who, against her mother's advice, took the shot has a sore on her arm now that won't heal. Um, this was three months after the second shot. And there was another lady. Her husband died two days later from a heart attack. Another lady. She's had her menstrual cycle nonstop from May till now. Um, and yet people just keep lining up. So I'm wondering, I said to my husband, I guess I'll lose my job in January, but... Um, There'll be lots of jobs available by the end of the year, next year, I'm sure, if there's still a society left, because everyone's going to be dead. They're already coming after private property way out in the woods and even way out on uh, in farmland in Australia. I mean, I'm watching countless videos on a day-in and day-out basis on Telegram of police showing up in force and, and flat-out confiscating property. Um, Again, so this notion of 
you know, people moving away, like you said, where, where around where you live and, and, and moving deeper into the woods uh, on other property that they own, you know, I, they'd better be armed and they'd better, they'd better be ready to defend it with their lives because uh, if Australia, again, is the framework for what's, what's occurring, of course, then they're not going to stop with just local areas. They're going to start confiscating deeper, deeper more secluded is- private property. Australia was um, disarmed, though, eh? Yes. Which is unfortunate, but um, not all they're... of the, not all of them. I mean, some of them you're you're allowed to, you're allowed to own a gun. The problem is, is that many of them fell for that gun buyback program. Well, we're armed, and um, there's many people we know that are too. And uh, you cross the line. You know, then, you know, what's that, that saying, you know, when the government becomes tyrannical, it becomes your duty to fight against it. So, um, we didn't work the last 20, 30 years to build what we have, to have it taken away. And I know this is all part of the agenda 2030, um, try and get us all out of the country. Right. But, um, you know. I don't know if you ever heard of Max Egan. He's been trying to educate people on all this stuff for, geez, 15 years prior to this. Yep. And he just, he just fled Australia. Yep. And I just He's watched living it. in Mexico. Yeah. And I, and I don't know how long he can stay there either, but I just, I, again, I watched another video of a woman on Telegram from Australia and she was talking about the, she was talking about Max Egan and, and she said, uh, I mean, she was, she was crying, uh, borderline hysterical. And she just said, I've been following him and and listening to him this whole time. And he, and he just flat out left. She goes, so they're coming, Uh they're they're coming for us. And, and we have no, you know, we have no way of defending ourselves. And and they've already built their own camps out there for the, for the unvaccinated. Well, they're building them in Canada too, farther North in Ontario, I heard. Yeah. Um, so, you know. I, they ever come for us, tell us to get on a, a bus or something. No, no, thanks. No. You know, my husband, he was born in Germany. He, he, my husband lived in Germany till he was 12. He remembers, uh, the guards on the wall between East and West Germany. His grandparents lived in East Germany and, um, his mother, right when the wall was being built, had to decide leave her parents and stay in the West where her job was or stay in the East and she stayed in the West. Um, so he knows what that's like. He remembers that. And, um, it's one thing to read about, you know, freedom. It's something to where it's worth dying for. But I'll tell you, when you're in that position, you really understand that. I, I don't want to live as a slave. So I will fight. And um, we, you know, my, my, my son says, geez, you know, maybe they think about moving further up north um, into the bush somewhere. And I said, you know, I said, we're not leaving. This is our home. And uh, we got to hope that somehow all the people that are fighting behind the scenes are, are going to power through. I, I don't know how this is going to end up, but... 
All I know is uh, it's really ironic when I started driving. I don't know, for some reason I was nervous when I started crossing the border into the States, you know, it was unfamiliar to me. You know, I was, I, I always felt better when I went back into Canada. Somehow it was just a mental thing when I first started. I've only been driving for six years. And uh, now I don't want to go back to Canada. I just don't feel like it's a place I recognize anymore. And that's just profoundly so sad to me. And when I, but even when I come to the States, I'm sitting here, I finished my day. I started really early today. I'm in Pennsylvania in this big parking lot at the customer. My hours were finished. And there's this beautiful American flag flying here in the wind. And I always thought that was so cool how patriotic you guys were and there were flags everywhere and I felt so, it was just such a beautiful thing. You know, we even have a sign in our garage, you know, that says freedom and it's got the American flag and it's just something that's just so beautiful. And I look at that flag right now and it just makes me feel so sad because you're under attack too. And, um... It's something where it's, I, I just feel that all these weak people that are just putting up with this, all the people that have died for that freedom, they're shitting on them right now. Yep. And it just, it's just so, oh, I don't even know how a veteran can handle that right now. Uh, they're having a hard time with it. They're having a very hard time with it. And um, that too is. I think it, yeah. It's, 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 you know, it, there's a couple of, couple of points here that I, that I wanted to mention on what you just said. I, I personally think that families, again, I'm not in a position to tell the people what to do really, but in, in times like this, I've always felt like families in particular now that families have got to circle the wagons. And that they're better together than they are apart. In particular, if they're on the same wavelength, they know what's going on. Um, you know, they, they they can help each other as opposed. To, you know, they can help each other better when they're together as opposed to being separated. So again, if push came to shove, I would I would certainly certainly hope that families simply open their doors to one another and say, Hey, look, we got to circle the wagons. If that means that one, one, one member of the family sells property and then they move in with other members of the family, then so be it. Um, you know, this notion of, and you've probably heard me bring it up on the podcast before, but this notion of, well, I have to do this by this age, or I have to, you know, I have to attain this degree by this age and I have to get a job by this age and I have to do this by this. That entire charade and that entire uh, train of thought is driven by the notion that a person is going to retire at a particular age when they are older, have money in the bank, kick their feet up and not have to worry about a damn thing. And the fact is, is that's not life. That's just not how, that's not how life is is designed. It's designed to live. It's designed to learn. It's designed to fight. And stand up for one another, and and that's the point. It's not this. Well, I'll just let everybody else kill themselves, and I'll be the only one left. Um, and any the people that continue to think in that wavelength piss me off to no end, and I have no sympathy for them when their time comes, because again, that short sightedness is going to get them killed, and it's already happening, and we're we're already watching that happen. 
Um, I'm not sounding, you know, I'm not saying that to sound like some hard ass or some coldless monster. Um, it's just an inevitability. And and again, if the mind if the mind doesn't shift and change throughout the course of time, that person's going to be left behind. Um, you yourself are a perfect example of what what the human mind can do when it shifts and changes and it bobs and weaves with 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 life. You know, being again in in um, the dental profession, and now you know you're you're driving a truck, and now at the exact same time, it looks like that might be coming to an end. So you know you have to shift into into battle mode and you have to do something else um let me ask you a couple you of know, my husband, sorry go ahead sure go ahead no well, go ahead. i was just Fine. i was just going to ask you a more specific question about what you see on the road and uh and just providing some road intel have you seen you know there have been reports in particular in south carolina in the past of uh un vehicles driving around on the highways have you seen this I haven't seen that. All I did see a convoy of military vehicles uh, near Rochester, New York, a couple of weeks ago. But I've seen that before. Sure. I've not seen anything really different. I have to say, I haven't. I have not seen anything. I've been keeping my eye open. What I have noticed, what I've become awakened to um, just recently, is the chemtrails. Yeah. Um, They're massive. I. I it's unbelievable. I saw it two times now within the last month on the 90 driving towards Buffalo. Um, the chemtrail, it was, it was just before sunset. The amount of chemtrails that were going on uh, above Lake Erie there into the Niagara River, it was unbelievable. I, I just could not believe once you see it and once you're looking for it. And um, I also noticed it down in um, South Carolina too this week. But I'm, I'm I I don't know if it's just because I'm more aware now or if I'm just or if it's happening more now. But I'm definitely noticing chemtrails. A lot of the chemtrails. One thing I have to say to compliment you guys, these Americans, uh, I would rather drive on your roads with your people than Canada. There's this fallacy that Canada are these polite, quiet people. And let me tell you something, the Americans have, they have way more class and they're way more polite and courteous on the roads, the truckers, than in Canada. If I put my signal on here to switch lanes, the cars almost always back off and let me move, move over. In Canada, no way. They speed up. <laughs> it's, it's just incredible. So uh, kudos to you guys for really being polite on the road. That's, that's number one. But number two, um, the truckers, I, I, I'm still seeing the freight moving. Uh, it's not like I'm seeing the truck stops are empty. Um, so I guess in one way, that's a good sign. Um, I've not, you know, there's always lulls in trucking. You'll have some slow times and then it'll pick up. We've been pretty busy. Um, I'm not, I'm not being told, oh, you have to wait for another day for a load. No, I'm, I'm, I seem to be getting more loads. Um, and it's, 
I don't have to, like, I came down here and I was sent my backhaul to go back to Canada before I even asked for it. A lot of times that doesn't happen. So I'm wondering, are there people sick now? And that's why there's more loads available. I, I don't know for sure. But I'm always wondering that now. Right after the vaccine thing took off here, uh, not the vaccine, the shot, um, we had an announcement that one of our drivers died um, suddenly. And he was my age, so he was only in his mid-50s. And he um, was a nice guy. And first thing I thought, probably took this shot just because it's not like we hear that on a regular basis, right? But I was really impressed with that video. That's how I found you when you went to the school board there. You were right on with what you said, and I thought, wow, I was really impressed with, with how you handled that. That was awesome. So that was great. I appreciate that. It uh, it certainly pumped the brakes on him, I think, for a little bit. But I, I basically scared the shit out of the entire town, which I'm fine with. None of that bothers me. But the very next day, everybody was just scared shitless. Really? Oh, yeah, because, I mean, almost everybody in this town's jabbed. Oh. It's a university. It's a university. It's a university town, but it's in a red county. And for the most part, it's a red town, except, of course, the, the government positions, by and large, are held by leftists. So, uh, you know, they, they just wanted, they were just chomping at the bit about waiting for the day when they couldn't wait to jab kids. And so I, I didn't care who was in the room. I knew that there were patriots in the room who had been jabbed and thought n- nothing of it. And then I knew that there were going to be people that knew exactly what I was talking about. And then there were going to be people that were just 100% blind and totally filled to the bone with the jabs. And I just thought, well, I know other people are going to hear this. So, <clears throat> you know, this is this is the one thing that hasn't been said in these meetings. And that's when I laid it on them. But uh, I'm going to end up going back at least one more time here and laying, laying something else on them too. But the parents pull their kids out of school. A hundred percent. Yep. And I have to say, after hearing what you have said, what I've been listening to, if you're, you know, even something simple, like the, the, the reader you talked about, the McGuffey reader, yep. that it was called. Yep. Um, you know, I remember that from my little house in the prairie days when I was watching that show, I loved it. Um, and I thought, geez, you know, if I would have known this when, when my son was young, I would have done things way different. Because I'm telling you, even when he was in school, he was born in 93. And um, there were weird things that would go on. Like he'd come home from school in grade two and said, I need to have a calculator. I said, you have one. It's on top of your shoulders. It's called your brain. I said, I'm not sending you to school with a calculator. And, um, you know, learning cursive writing, I was trying to teach them on my own because they abandoned that. And I just thought, what are they doing in school? Just collecting a paycheck? Like, they were sending all the work home with him. I I might as well have had him home. Yeah. We had a kid who was so well-mannered and well-behaved and eating right and everything else, and we sent him to kindergarten. He came home, started saying curse words, and... And um, eating with his mouth open all of a sudden and bringing back all these bad habits. And I thought, what the heck is this? So, you know, and you're having to reprogram a child that was perfectly fine. And then you send them there and, I don't know, it, 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 it seemed like the school 
and we don't teach spelling anymore. We, we believe in just letting them just express themselves. I thought, this is bizarre. What's wrong with reading, writing, and arithmetic? I, I, I just don't understand what's happened here. But now that I've listened to you, I do understand. It's just, uh, I wish I would have known this 20 years ago. Because I would have handled things differently. I wouldn't have sent my son to school. He would have been homeschooled. Now, is it true that they're they're talking about making homeschooling illegal? I I haven't heard that in the I haven't heard that in the states. Um, I have no doubt that there's probably something working behind the scenes regarding. Well, I mean, they're already taxing homeschooling families because they live within the jurisdiction of a town or city, so they still have to pay school taxes even though they're not sending their children to said school, which, which is the unfortunate part. But to my knowledge, there was something that was passed in the United States, could have been nine months ago or so, if not a little longer than that, that had to do with, uh, I, I think I'm getting this right, my memory's being strained on this one, but it was... Uh, you, you, you could take the money that was allotted for a public school program, and if you were sending your child, if you took your child out of a public school program and you put them into a, um, a, a religious school, for example, then you could take that voucher money and move it toward the religious school instead of having to pay for, pay the taxes for, for public school. Okay. But regarding homeschooling, no. I have, I have, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if, uh, if, if somewhere down the line, somebody tried a homeschooling tax, only because the writing is on the wall now, and so many people are homeschooling, and the the percentages have dramatically increased in the last two years. A guest of mine, Vanessa Hurst, who's who's contributed as well on numerous occasion, occasions, she's even brought it up, and she's dealing with that within their district. Is they're they're consolidating their entire public school programs, so they're closing schools because they just don't have the people. Right. Well, that's a good thing. To, well, it is. <laughs> it is. It, it certainly is to a certain angle. Yeah, but um, you know, but it's it's. It's also unfortunately forcing everybody within the you know into this more of a clustered environment that is less healthy, um, and it includes oh, all I, all ages and all grades all mixing together. Yeah, that's not good. Now, yeah, that, I mean, that's, a one room schoolhouse can get away with that back in the day, but not with today's culture. Yes, definitely. Okay, I see what you're saying, and I yeah, I agree with that too. But if if they keep this silly mask nonsense going, or I'd be scared to send my child to school now and, and be afraid that they would accidentally be given the job, accidentally in quotations. Um, I'd be terrified of that. One hundred. You know what? What is it? Fifty incidents now of of somebody walking into a CVS pharmacy and getting the COVID job instead of a flu shot—is that what it's up to now? Well, the, and I mean, those are only some of the ones that we're hearing of. So, you know, any 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 time I hear something like that, I just say to myself, "Well, if don't expect to hear the real number on the mainstream media, and even if you hear a number in the quote unquote alternative media where they're telling the truth, you know, that number's probably too low, also." It's hard yeah. to know. It's just hard to know. The federal workers in Canada, they're the unions ignoring them. 
Um, I think the, the deadline is quite soon now, and uh, they, they, Damien and Stacy went to Ottawa the last three days, um, which is like a three-hour drive one way, um, and hardly any people showed up, so you've got all these people calling, what do I do, what do I do, and yet they don't even make the effort to go and stand there in unity and try and get their union to come out and, and speak to them. Uh, they're just being completely stonewalled, so um, it's not looking good, obviously. I've heard Chris Skye talk about that on a constant basis, too. Just yelling, you know, yeah. just yelling at Canadians, hey, look, stop stop waiting for somebody to come and save the day. It's time for you to stand up, learn about this, and, and get involved. Well, see, I, it's really, somebody made the point that Canadians have never had to fight for freedom before. It's an excellent um, point. Where's You know, Americans have. I, I remember I was talking to a, a driver, oh, geez, this was, earlier this year and it was in Pennsylvania and uh, we were both standing there without masks so we knew we were like-minded and uh, he started talking and he said when the time is right the Americans will fight he says I'm not sure you Canadians will and I said well some of us will but I have to agree I, I don't from what I'm seeing from the passive nature of a lot of people, I, just, I don't know, you see a lot of them here too in Canada and in the U.S., you know, walking around like zombies, but I think in the end, you know, you, you guys have a lot of awesome leaders. Well, mind you, we have our share too, but like I was just listening to Dr. Brian Artis, he's just awesome, and Dr. Sherry Tenpenny and Dr. Polevsky, I was just listening to them and Dr. Carrie Madej, it just goes on and on and on. So I know there are a lot of people out there fighting the fight, but I, I just have to say to myself, I'm just one person, but every person I can possibly get through to, even if it's just some guy in a parking lot, I'm trying my best. Um, but a lot of people have that wall up and they've probably been injected and they don't want to see the truth. and. So they won't until they're hungry and the shelves are bare. And that's when you'll start to get the masses rising up. But it might be too late by then. I don't know. I asked you about the the UN presence regarding regarding trucks. Is there any kind of a foreign... I mean, I've been to Toronto, so I've, I've certainly seen the architecture and, uh, and the surroundings. And again, having talked with some cabbies about China buying up property um, in in the major cities in Canada and then packing them with with the Chinese. Is there is there any is there any other foreign influence that you can directly comment on that that is blatantly obvious in in Canada that maybe didn't used to be the case? The Muslims that it, it increased that we were having a huge problem with that prior to the COVID. Um, the Muslim population and they had even wanted to start um, their own party <laughs> in Ontario with Sharia law and uh, you know that was a huge thing that a lot of us were upset about and it, I don't like anybody come 
come to our country, live your own life. I want to live my life. Just, just live in my life, you know? But when you start to come to Canada or to the U.S., then aren't you coming here to embrace this way of life? If you want to stay in Sharia law, stay where you came from. It's got nothing to do with saying uh, I'm a, I'm a racist or anything else. No, it has to do with don't put your beliefs onto me. And um, in Toronto, it's it's not Canada anymore. It's really not. And um, you know where I live, it still is. You know, it's all about outdoors and fishing and canoeing and snowmobiling and just enjoying life and uh the muslim thing was really taken off but since all the covid thing now i did hear a few times that they were allowing the muslim people to congregate but not the christians and i my theory on that is it's all about stirring the pot it's all about making that divide and conquer that's all this is. And and people at this point in time need to realize it doesn't matter what religion you are. It doesn't matter what color you are. We're all in this together. And I have to say, when I come to the States and I meet African Americans, I, I treat them like a person. They're not, I don't look at them like they're a different color. They're just, if they're, if they're nice, they're nice. If they're not, they're not. It doesn't matter what color you are. And yet they're trying to make this division between black and white and Muslim and Christian. I think when you're Christian and, and you're arresting pastors in, in Canada and you're leaving the Muslim churches alone, well, yeah, that's going to cause anger. But that's what they want, and we can't play into that. We have to understand that they're not doing that because they favor the Muslims. They're doing that because they're trying to cause division. And in the, in the end, we're all humans. And and if there's anything I've learned, I've been in 33 of your states. You have a beautiful country here. And everywhere I go, and even when I was in Niagara Falls and I met tourists from all over the world, there's one thing that's common with all of us. We all love our kids. We all love our families. And we just want to live our life. And these power-hungry psychopaths, I guess, just aren't happy with their money and their power. They want more. And we all have to come together and fight it. There's no other choice. This is it. Yep. So, and I'm sure we're having bad days and we're all having good days. Um, but when I'm having a bad day, I just try to say, I'm, I, I gotta just push the evil out of my head because they're winning. If, if, if I'm feeling like that, I've got to keep the light in there and push the dark out. That's it. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Make sure and check out AmericanEducationFM.com for more information. Take care and God bless. <laughs>